understanding of your eyes would be enlightened. Hey family, hey family, welcome back to the Root Work Podcast with Tiffany Malone. Y'all, we got, we got, we got work to do today. I mean, this word right here, um, let me tell you, it came to me first for me. And I got to tell you, it whooped up on me, got me got me right. You ever had, you ever had, <laughs> had like God speak to you and you realize that in the most gracious way that only God can do, he was straight up correcting you, straight up telling you, turn it around and get on track before I, uh-huh. This was one of those for me. And so I wanted to share this with you guys today because I am Sure. I am sure that in the same way that it, it helped me, that it blessed me, um, that it brought me to a place of decision, a place of, of really repentance, that it can do the same for you. Um, and so I want us to get into it, but before I do thinking about this kind of reminded me of something, um, that I notice that we do from time to time. Um, and I, it, it becomes more noticeable, especially with social media, because um, things, phrases, cliches, what have you, have seemed to have, at least over the course of time that I've been alive, since I've seen, you know, social media just really blow up. I, I've been able to sort of watch some of the trends. Things have such a shorter lifespan now because the the community, right, uh, the, 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 the worldwide community has come to one place or one of a few places, right? And we can all be having the same conversation. Well, when all those people come to the same place and have the same conversation, conversations change very quickly. You probably have even noticed it recently. There was something we were talking about two weeks ago and it everybody was all engrossed in it if you keep up or are interested or whatever. Within a few days, we were talking about something else. You may hear somebody go back and reference it now, but we're on to the next thing. The 24-hour news cycle is that way, right? It's like be, the, the more connected we become, the shorter lifespans um, the words and concepts have. And that's kind of what happens. Um, I, I've told you all before, in my former life, I was um, an HR leader and I worked in human resources, um, I've, I've done a lot of work in human resources, leadership, and some other things. And one thing, um, we were really good at was renaming things. We even had, um, jokes amongst ourselves about, um, how we would put really, really good names on difficult things. And everybody, I'm noticing everybody kind of does it in life. Right. So, you know, it's kind of like if, if you get fired, you know, we don't really call it fired anymore. We turned it to, into terminated, but now it's 
separated, right? The company has separated from you. You got a separation notice. And so the word becomes kind of nebulous. You don't really know what really happened when fired was just really, really point blank word, but it's like got a negative connotation, right? So we just gave, we just do new, new words separated. It's like, like the word we use or, you know, maybe for you personally, it's easier for, for, for you to say, you know, I'm not lazy, right? I, I, I struggle with comfort. I struggle with comfort. Maybe that's a way, or this one is good. Cause I've personally used this one before. I'm not fat. I'm just, I'm just big bone. You know, I'm just thick. This is how they make them in my family. Right. Right. Besides obesity is a disease and everything now. So that, that makes it even better. And so, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, I'm not passive. I'm just not confrontational. I just don't like confrontation. Right. And so what we get into, um, because the world is so small, we, 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 and we, we communicate so much, we get these politically correct ways, right. Of saying things that sort of make us feel better about describing, um, difficult, even, um, you know, condemning, I don't know if that's the right word, but hard things, things we don't want to accept about ourselves, maybe even things we, I don't know, need to change, right? (laughs) So if we can put a nice word on it, that's nice enough so that I have the courage to talk about it and I can say it in this way, um, it's, it's better. And I don't really have to look at the reality of what I'm saying or the reality of what I've done or the reality of the situation that I'm in. Right. And so we're doing that a lot, but what that can tend to do for us is let us sit there because we're not only saying the words into the hearing of other people, we're saying them back into our own hearing. And so when we don't speak on things in the full totality of the truth to let the reality of it hit. It's like, it's a, it's a level of dysfunction that we, we create amongst ourselves. We, we sit in our own dysfunction and we put a really nice, neat label on it. And the neat term that we use helps us function in dysfunction. There's another word um, that's got a great term that I know you're familiar with, or you're probably familiar with. Um, You guys know that um, I am a coach and a consultant by trade. And two of my clients just this week, I was talking to in, in separate, you know, coaching sessions. And the, this concept that I know you're familiar with came up and it's what I want to deal with, with us today. The concept is imposter syndrome. If you heard that term, I'm sure you've heard the term imposter syndrome. So this, this term was coined. Better up says that two psychologists in the seventies coined this term, discovered it, kind of gave it a definition and to completely paraphrase the definition, what, what it is, is um, the con- condition of feeling anxious, um, 
And despite being high performing, you don't actually experience the success of, of your high per- performance, right? It's the idea of feeling like a fraud or a phony or constantly self-doubt, doubting your abilities, not feeling competent, no matter what the evidence says, not feeling confident, not feeling like you belong. So no, and, and, and I, one thing that I notice about this in, in my work and in myself from time to time, um, I told y'all this word hit me is that it's not a matter of not having produced results. That that's, that's really not what's at work here. What's at work here is what you believe about yourself because where imposter syndrome really does its best work is when it's time for you to move into the next thing. And then when you don't really believe, right, you, you should, or that that's for you, or no matter how gifted or no matter, you know, how, how much, how much evidence there is that you, you are graced for this, right? That God has given you the ability that you, you have the talent. It doesn't matter if you don't believe it. And so I believe the entire purpose of imposter syndrome is to keep you out of next, keep you out of exactly the purpose that God has for you. And the reason I brought up kind of the the labels that we tend to put on things when I started this is because I think imposter syndrome is one of those labels. And I'll tell you what I think it's for in a minute. But I'm going to tell you earlier this week when this hit me, was when I was studying and I was, and I happened upon numbers chapters 13 and 14. And (laughs) I read, I was reading this and then I listened to it. And I called my husband when I, when I, when I got through reading it and I, I said, do you, you remember the story of such and such and such? I was so excited because the word started speaking to me and it started speaking to me about this. I think it has something to say to you, you too. So numbers chapter 13 and 14, y'all probably already know the story. And, and this is a Bible story. I know that these psychologists, um, you know, academically coined this, this, this phrase, this, this definition in the seventies, but the Bible's like thousands of years old. And it's been talking about this for a real, 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 real long time. So appreciate your work, but I want to really hear what God has to say about this. In Numbers chapters 13 and 14, it's the story of the children of Israel and they have been delivered from slavery, from bondage, from Egypt. Moses is leading them. Now y'all remember this. If you've been to Sunday school for half a day, you know about the 10 plagues, right? That God did through Moses. And then you know that at the end of it all, they, they, they walk out, they strip the Egyptians of all their wealth. God decimates Egypt essentially. And then they get to the Red Sea and just when it looks like they're trapped, y'all, y'all saw Prince of Egypt, didn't you? I, I, that's like a classic, right? Just when they, just when it looks like they're trapped, Moses raises his rod, God parts the sea. Now he does this in front of the very people 
in this story. And that's important to notice because there's so much evidence, right? And so then they cross the sea and geographically, we know they go into sort of a desert or a wilderness area, right? Well, God had promised, he had promised before they were slaves, their fathers, 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 all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to give you a promised land. It's going to be the land of Canaan. This is going to be your land. Your descendants are going to settle here. Well, God is about to make good on what he said hundreds of years ago in this moment. So they are in the wilderness. The wilderness is right next to the land, the promised land. And so God says, it's time, it's time, it's time for us to, you know, you know, go, go, go spy out the land. Cause that's what we're here for. Right. I brought you out of Egypt. (laughs) I brought you into the wilderness because I'm taking you to your promised land. And so this is, this is what, what, what happens. God says, now I want you to get Moses. I want you to get 12 men. And I want you to get these men and I want you to have them to go look at the land that I'm going to give you. Okay. And so I want you to spy it out. I want you to tell me, you know, see what you see. So Moses does what God says and he gets 12 men. And in all the years that I really read this story, one of the details I tended to skip over stuck out to me loud and clear when I read this this week. The 12 men were not just any men. They were 12 leaders, each of their respective 12 tribes. Y'all, that's, that's, that's real, real important. John Maxwell said, and I believe he said correctly, leadership is influence. Leadership in a word is influence. And so, and so the men that are going to spy out the land are heads of their respective tribes. Each of them, hundreds of thousands of people in each tribe, so to speak. And so God calls them, go, go check out the land. And so they go, they go for 40 days. They see the land, they come back and they tell what they saw. They don't just tell what they saw. They bring evidence of what is there in the promised, parenthetically by God, land that they are supposed to go to. And what do they tell? They say, wow, we saw giants in the land. We saw fortified cities. We saw these people that were there. The land is indeed filled with milk and honey. And the grapes that were just in season are so big, we needed two people to carry them back on a pole. See here, have a look. And they showed the sample. But then the more they begin to talk, most of the spies who went, the leaders of the people said, we saw giants. And to them, we saw giants and we looked like grasshoppers to them. And at the end of chapter 12, it says, and we even look like grasshoppers 
to ourselves. Mm. Mm. I, that <laughs> That's deep. There's no way we can take this land. Appreciate you, God, for sending us to go spy it out. But when we saw it, all it made us do was realize how incompetent we are. Despite all of the evidence, uh huh. despite all of the performance God has already shown his ability to do, you know, that whole part in the Red Sea thing. When we saw the land, we saw the giants and we looked like grasshoppers to them and to our selves. Y'all, y'all, this is essentially what some of the people that I've talked to have essentially said to me in, a, in their own way. This is essentially sometimes what I say when I look at what God has put in front of me. There are times, if I'm being honest with you, when I do not feel like I can grab hold and do the thing God has put in front of me. I, that's just an honest, honest assessment. And when that comes on me, because I know what I know and I do what I do, I realize that's imposter syndrome, that that name, right? Talking. But I, I want to, I had to challenge myself this week as I also challenged those, those clients that I was talking with. And I really had to challenge myself even about how I use that word, how I use that term, because that term is so palatable, right? It's so palatable. And so when I read on through this chapter, those leaders, men of influence who had been chosen to go and look and see what God had already promised to give them. And God's credit is good, y'all. He has made good on everything. These same men have seen God already. I could list all the 10 plagues of Egypt. Maybe, maybe I could, maybe I could, but 10 different times by Moses's hand. He has the death of the firstborn, destroyed the crops, caused it to be night in Egypt and all the things he did. He has parted the Red Sea. He has brought water from rocks. Never mind that the very food you eat every day is food that came from heaven. You called it manna because when you wake up in the morning it's just outside your door you are literally physically sustained by miraculous food that god provides and so in light of all that in light of the cloud that that guides you by day and the pillar of fire by night in light of all of these miraculous things that God has done and is continuing to do right in your presence. You say we look like grasshoppers up against them. And that's what we thought of ourselves too. There was only one of the spies who went, um, that spoke up that said, no, we could take the land. We could take the land. That was Caleb. And Joshua also spoke up. And so when I really thought about this, when it got to chapter 13 
And I realized how these men of influence went and spread this story back to the people that they cover because they are men of influence. They got the people so scared because of their imposter syndrome, right? That the people began to get in an uproar and God got mad. He was done. He was angry. He wasn't having it. And so, you know, the story, he got so angry that he really wanted to just kill them all. And I thought, my first thought was, that's a bit of a overreaction, if you can. I thought that very lightly, don't get me wrong. But when I really stepped back and thought about it again, it's really not. If you're eating manna every day, if God gives you water from a rock, <laughs> if he, if his presence is there by fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. If you literally walked through a sea on dry ground when Moses raised his rod, and that's just a few of the miracles. Let's not really get into how Moses is talking face to face with God so much so that when he comes off the mountain, his face is glowing and he has to put on a veil. <laughs> because he's been in the presence of God. You cannot be in this community of people and not know, and not know God is among you. And if God sent you to spy out the land and you come back and give a report like this and rile up the people, the question is, what is it really? What is it really? What is it really going on with you that after all God has done, right? You would bring this report back. And that's the question I had to ask myself this week. What is it really? Is M, could it be, could it be, could it be, could it possibly be that imposter syndrome is one of those words, those politically correct words we use to describe unbelief. What if we just called it unbelief? What if we just called it, I don't believe you, God? <laughs> what if we just said it like it was? What if we didn't call fired, separated, right? What if we didn't call laziness, comfort? What if we just said, Imposter syndrome is unbelief. I don't believe you, God, that you are capable of doing what you said. I don't believe that what you put in me will produce what you're telling me is going to produce. I don't believe that how you made me and where you're calling me to. I just don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't believe you, which is to imply one of y'all's a liar. <laughs> like, let's just really get down to brass tacks here. Let's just get down to what it really, really is. And that's what I had to do. That's what I really had to do because when I step back, and I think about this passage, I think about these people, the reality is, is have they believed God 
like Caleb and Joshua did, when they saw the giants in the land, their perspective would have been different because they would have been able to see straight and they would have realized the giants in the land are not there to make me look like a grasshopper, which I already see myself as because I don't believe in the God that's done all these amazing things already for me. The giants are there to show me just who God is going to defeat because he's for me. They are so much bigger than me. And when God does what he's going to do, I'm going to be able to testify to his glory. There were giants in the land, but because we believed God and we stepped up to the plate, they are defeated. That's what a believer would think, right? When they saw those walled cities, those fortified cities, you could say, there's no way we could take that city. That's what an unbeliever would say, or someone with imposter syndrome. We're not even gonna say that no more. That's what an unbeliever would say, someone who does not believe. Somebody who believes the word of the Lord would say, we won't even have to build walls to protect ourselves from enemies. Well, when you look at what God is doing, he's taking us into a land, a city like, oh, I don't know, Jericho with walls that already exist. And it's already laid out for us. We are go He's going to do something amazing that is going to hand this city over to us. And if you keep reading the Bible, which I encourage you to do, just, just keep, keep on reading, you'll find that that's exactly what he did, right? It's all about your perspective. It's all about what you believe. It's all about what voice you listen to, right? You, you could see these good crops and you could say, oh, the, 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 these are the good crops from the land. Or you could say, this is the milk and honey God has been talking about all the time. See, however you see it and whatever it is you believe, whatever voice you're listening to is what determines how you see it. And this is a principle for life. Are you hearing me? How you see it, your world view. I write about this in my book. Your world view, how you choose to see it is everything. And it's all hinged on what you believe, or should I say who you believe? Because Plenty of voices are talking to us on an everyday basis, right? You're going to walk after the flesh or you're going to walk after the spirit. In the garden, there was the word of the Lord or there was what the serpent said. Here there is the 10 spies version of events or there's what Caleb and Joshua said. And what makes the difference between all those different versions of stories which lead to different versions of life and different outcomes is who you believe, right? So you can, we can slap these neat names on them, but these names cover up the reality that what we're dealing with is a unbelief issue. And so it makes sense. It makes perfect sense when I flip the page and read on why God wanted to kill the people. It makes sense, y'all. After Moses interceded for the people that God was going to just kill, I'm gonna kill these people. And Moses, I'll just make a new nation out of you. <laughs> this is 
is how mad he was, right? And so Moses intercedes for the people and he says, please, 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 God, don't do that. Don't do that. The nations will hear about it and your glory will be at stake. And so God says, okay, but I'm going to tell you what, since that's what you choose to believe in lieu of all of the 10 plagues of Egypt, that you saw me do in lieu of the Red Sea that I parted, that we will be talking about for the rest of the pages of scripture, that miracle was so amazing. In lieu of the manna that I feed you with in the wilderness, all 2 million of y'all every morning, in lieu of the water that gets produced from rocks, in lieu of how I sent quail and even how I punished you and sent serpents and then how I punished you and and had you look upon a, a brazen serpent and you were all miraculously healed. And that's not even all that God did. Not to mention what he wrote on tablets of stone with his own fingers. None of that. If all of that hasn't convinced you that I can do what I said I could do, God says, I tell you what, for every day that I let you see what I would have given you, for every day you looked at walled cities and you looked at giants and you looked at good crops and you looked at homes you were not going to have to build and you looked at already stood up cities that I've, I told you they might be living in them, but those are yours. I have promised it to you. Somebody might be occupying it. They're just holding it for you. They're upkeeping it. They're keeping it maintenance because that's your stuff. For every day that I showed you what I had for you, and then you still came back and said, I don't believe you. It's going to be a year that you will stay right here in the wilderness. That's 40 years for 40 days. That's, that's, that's what unbelief is to God. That's what it is. 40 years for 40 days. Let me drop this. Let me drop this other nugget off because, you know, (laughs) when the, when the, in this passage, when the, when the when the spies are riling the people up and they're they're there there's no way we could do this there's no way you know we can take this land it's it's not possible we need to just go back to egypt y'all there is no egypt egypt as you know it is gone egypt as you know it is done y'all do remember those 10 plagues don't you you remember <laughs> when God sent the flies. You remember when he sent the locusts and how they decimated the crops. You remember that, right? So all the crops that when you all were slaves used to harvest are no more. You you remember, you remember the when you left Egypt how God caused all of the Egyptians to be favorable to you and they gave you their wealth. They don't have the money they used to have. They gave it to you when you came out. You you remember 
the firstborn, even the firstborn of Pharaoh. You remember that play, the first, the, there's been a serious population of upheaval in Egypt. You, you remember even that their army, the army that came to get you, to take you back, that's when the Red Sea closed in and that, that, that whole army was drowned in the Red Sea. Egypt, as you knew it, is no more. And listen to me, hear me what I say, listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth, to quote Bernie Mac. <laughs> Whatever it is you left to begin to follow the voice of the Lord, there will be a temptation that does not come from the spirit of God that will say, maybe we could just go back. But listen to what I'm saying. Ain't nothing back there. There's nothing, it, 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 it there in the purpose and the plan of God's whole purpose was to prepare you for here so that here you would do the thing you are toying with not believing God about doing. And if you think whether it's a relationship because you are lonely now and God has called you out of a dysfunctional relationship and you think, well, maybe I should just go back. Back don't exist. <laughs> the, the back is whatever picture of back there was, it, it, it's, it's not there. Wherever, when God calls you to something higher and you take the step and then you get scared when you take the step and you say, I, I think I'll just step back. Back is not there. Back is not what you think it was. There was no Egypt, at least not as it existed in the mind of the Hebrews. The height of Egyptian power where they were having to build pyramids. Egypt is probably picking up the pieces, trying to get their whole country back on track after God dealt with them with their unbelief. What you think you're going back to ain't there. And that's a word for all of us. When God calls you out, the only path is forward to what he tells you. And whatever picture you have of back is gone. You have to believe his word because he is crafting future and purpose in front of you. There is no back. There is no back. That's just, just, just needed to drop that off for somebody. And so 40 years, because there was no back, God said, you just gonna, y'all gonna hang out in the wilderness. I'm not gonna send you back to slavery. You're gonna be stuck in the wilderness, wandering, wandering, since this is what you would prefer instead of going to take the land that I promised you, me who cannot lie, that makes good on every single thing I've said that has already shown who I am. My credit is good. Since you didn't believe me, I'm just going to let you wander here in the wilderness 40 years. And not a one of you, except the two who saw the land and believed the word that I said, over 20 is going to go. Y'all will stay here till you die. Mm. Y'all, that's scary. It's scary. It's scary because if you decide to keep calling 
a thing. If I decide to keep calling imposter syndrome by this palatable name and not recognize that what it is, is the inclining of my ear to the wrong voice. What it really is, is the unbelief, a decision to not believe the word of the Lord and to believe another spirit. What it really is, is gross unbelief and quite frankly, rebellion against God. Until I see it in those terms, and if I don't accept that this is what I'm doing, I could lose the opportunity to walk into purpose, to be used by God, to do the thing that God created me to do. Because there is a point that God has done, you know, have it your way is essentially what he said. You're going to stay here. You're going to stay here for 40 years. You're going to wander in the wilderness. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep giving you manna. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you where to go. You'll, you'll have, you'll have my, my, I'm not going to leave you. You know, I'm not going to just let you, let you, let you die out here in the wilderness with no food and no water and, and without the things you need, I I will protect you. You are my people, but you're not going to the promised land. And really for us, question is like, what's the root and what's the work, right? Let's, let's talk about this root work. We have to call it what it is. It's not imposter syndrome. It's unbelief because the reality is imposter syndrome really isn't wrong. If you're depending on yourself and yourself alone, well, If it was just the spies, just this ragtag bunch of used to be slaves wandering around in the wilderness, trying to um, take over civilized nations, I could see the report that the spies gave. You should be afraid. If it's just you, And if all you have in tow is just what makes you you, right? Going into places that God has told you, I want you to take territory here. If it's just you and God has said, this is what, where you're going. I could see you looking at it for me. If it's just me and I look ahead to the things God has called me to, they look too big for just me. They look overwhelming for just me. They look impossible for just me. And they are. And they are for just me. God dealt with the Israelites like he did. And God is going to deal with us like he is. Because it's not just us. We have the, if you are baptized, born again believer, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God in us. We are the body of Christ. We are kingdom. And God does his work and his business in the earth 
through us. So when I show up, I show up as an ambassador of the kingdom. I show up with the power and the authority of the king. I show up to do business on behalf of the king and everything that the king has when I show up shows up with me. Now, if you see yourself that way, if you believe the word of the Lord, there is no place for unbelief. Because what we know about God is that without faith or without believing he is who he says he is, it's impossible to please him. What we know about God is everything the word says about what he's capable of doing. We know that he is is capable of immeasurably more than we could think or imagine that we than we than what we could ask or think. What he's able to do when I allow him to embody, when I stand up as an ambassador of the king, there are limitless possibilities. And so really, where does imposter syndrome fit in the life of a believer? It is but a voice you can choose to listen to. Just know that when you listen to that voice, it is because you turned your ear away from the voice of the king. And I don't know about you, but I believe that what God has called me to do in my life, whatever he is going to do, he's got a purpose that he's working through the earth and he's using his body to get it done. I am a member of his body and he wants to use me to accomplish his purpose. And I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. Because what do you wander around around in the wilderness with? The memory of the day you chose to listen to the wrong voice. You're wandering around with the knowledge that you're wandering here and you will wander here till you die. Because despite all of the evidence in your life of how God had been good and how God had been faithful and about how God has shown himself and about how he shows himself true, you're going to be wandering and you're going to be wondering. What could have been if I had chose to focus on the body of work God had already shown me? You're going to be wondering with an O, what could have been if I would have decided to believe the word of the Lord? And I got to guess that comes with a bit of regret. I got to guess that comes with a good bit of disgust probably you got you got 40 years to think about it I don't know about you but I don't want that to be me I don't want that to be me and so what our work is what our root work is is to uncover first of all the mask of seeing things palatably that are outside of the will of God So 
for me, especially as it pertains to me, and I hope to, and I hope for you as well, I don't call it imposter syndrome anymore. It's just unbelief. It's unbelief. And I'm going to have to wrestle with unbelief. And when I, when I take the politically correct tag off of it, right, when I take all the, the little neat things that make it easy to go down, you know, the, the, the nasty cough syrup and they put all the sugar and the, when I, when I, when I peel that all back, I want to see it for what it is because that's not necessarily pleasant to look at, but it's empowering to a point of a decision. I am a believer. And that includes what God has said he has for me. And I don't know about you. And I don't know if this is something that you've wrestled with, but I want to peel back the layers of it for you. And I want to empower you to believe the word of the Lord. I don't think it's any accident. I don't think it's any accident that the King James version of the Bible, if I'm not mistaken, calls the 10 spies, an evil report. (laughs) It's not just a negative report. It's not just a negative perspective. It was called an evil report. And I don't think there's any, any wonder it's called that. So that's the root work. I want you to take that with you. As you keep traveling through life, through through purpose, on your way to purpose, to your next, to the thing God has called you to. If you're an ambassador of the king, if you're kingdom, if you live by faith, that has no place in our lives. We want to stand up in the fullness of everything that the king is. And we want to become all that he has called us to be. I want you to take that with you. And I want you to be great. And until next time, keep doing the work along the route. See you later.